0: We really like working with clients who want to meet their purpose, grow their purpose in anything where marketing can add to people's quality of life or, as we say, marketing for good.
1: Welcome to Marketing for Good. In this episode, we connect with Sharon Flynn and Kylie Clark from ACP SEM, the Australasian College of Physical Scientists and Engineers in Medicine, to discuss managing the balance between purpose and commerciality. Their purpose is to advance medical science to keep communities healthy and safe. We have worked with ACP SEM on a number of projects and have been Sharon's back pocket marketing experts throughout her career at a number of organizations. We hope that our guests give you ideas and insights about how your organization can balance a strong purpose with commerciality.
0: Well, welcome everybody. It's Great to see you again, and um, we're absolutely delighted today to welcome Sharon Flynn and Kylie Clark from ACPSEM. I'd like to quickly acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which we meet across the country and pay my respects to Elders past and present. Um, So... Um, Yes, welcome um, Sharon and Kylie. We've worked with you over quite a number of years and doing a wide range of um, projects and we're really interested today to hear a little bit more about ACP SEM, what that stands for and what you do.
2: All right, well I'll start with the about bit if you like. So um for the, for the purposes of the listeners, the ACPSEM is the Australasian College of Physical Scientists and Engineers in Medicine. So I don't I probably say that more often than you'd think, but we're ACPSEM okay. and we're a, a member organization. Uh, so we sort of port our members and we also deliver education programs uh, anything from cpd to certification and other forms of education but i think the thing that makes us unique is we oversee a profession that has chosen to voluntary self-regulate itself so the the profession of medical physicists and radiopharmaceutical scientists has voluntarily chosen to self-regulate
0: i knew i'd learn things on this podcast and i've already learned a few things and we've only just started <laughs> Um, So thank you. And tell us a little bit about the members and what they're typically like.
3: Yeah. So uh, our members as kind of Sharon alluded to in the name of our organization. So we have, um, radiopharmaceutical scientists uh, and medical physicists across diagnostic imaging, nuclear medicine and radiation oncology. Um, and so our members being an Australasian college, are Australian and New Zealand based, um, and they mostly work, uh, across, uh, private and, uh, public, uh, departments. And, uh, They're they're a mix between uh, male and and females. They're very highly skilled and very passionate um, about what they do and obviously take their professions very seriously.
0: And Kylie, I know there's a couple of commonly used acronyms, ROMPs and DIMPs, I've heard used many times. So what does a ROMP mean and what does a DIMP mean?
3: Yeah, so DIMP is Diagnostic Imaging Medical Physicist and ROMP is Radiation Oncology Medical Physicist. Cool,
0: thank you. Um, you deal with lots of different stakeholders. I know being a um, profession that's perhaps smaller in number, in uh, but but vital in, in some very um, key roles in large organisations. So, who are your key stakeholders?
2: So our, our key stakeholders are quite easy to identify because we we work in a highly regulated environment, and so we we have to know these people and we have to work with them. So. Our professional stakeholders are departments of health, um, EPAs, so Environmental Protection Agencies, I think we call them, and they tend to be the licensing authorities. So we, our professions play, or play is the wrong word, safely work with ionising radiation. And there's a lot of legislation and a lot of um of, of structure around that. So, as I said, departments of health and EPA's, chief allied health officers across the country, local health districts, or whatever they're called from state to state, because we rely on the executives in those organizations to continue to create training places so that our people can be trained and certified. Um, the Royal Australian and New Zealand College of Radiologists is a very RANSKA, very important stakeholder of, our, of ours because we're a small organisation, and and our relationships with RANSKA, which are very strong and very good, enable us to be at at most tables that we want to and need to be at because we are close to RANSKA and we have such common goals and objectives in what we do. We also. On an operational side, we're very, very firmly um, uh, linked to our major stakeholder, the Department of Health. That's the Australian Department of Health, not the New Zealand Department of Health, who fund our operations for the training of medical physicists, the maintenance of the registrar, and the maintenance of professional standards for medical physicists.
0: Well, I know who to come to when I want to be introduced across the health system now. Okay. Actually, and
2: there's a couple more. I should have turned over the page because I had a few more. So we also deal with interesting organisations like um, uh, Radiation Safety Councils in each state and universities. I can't forget universities because universities run medical physics master's programs, which are the, the precedents for coming into our certification programs, and our relationships
0: with those universities are really close as well. Great. Um, And um, as a member organisation, maybe just a really quick overview of some of the services that you offer to your members.
3: Uh, Yes, so as, again... Kind of segueing from Sharon's point just then around the uh, certification and registration. So, we as a college um, develop and administer what we call the TAP, which is the Training, Education and Assessment Programs across those three professions that I mentioned before being um, DIMPROMP and RPS, which is the Radio Pharmaceutical Scientists. Um, and so, that's probably one of our kind of really key roles is um, ensuring that uh, TAP is uh, delivered throughout the various departments. Um, which then leads to certification and also the registration of our um, members as well. So the pathway can go through certification, um, which leads to registration. Or we have um, a way of having, uh, say, some of our professionals from overseas, they go through a um, professional kind of pathway to being registered through the college. Uh, There is also as well our policy and advocacy as well. So we very much, as Sharon mentioned, have a lot of uh, seats at a lot of different tables to really um, advocate on behalf of the professions and our members as well. And really, um, as the the peak body, our members look to us um, to to undertake, um, you know, that kind of policy and advocacy on their behalves. Um, And then there's also what we call our CPD program, which is continuing professional development. And that essentially means that once our members are registered, that the college, um, either directly through the college or through um, kind of uh, collaborations with other external organisations, we offer those continuing professional development opportunities so that they can then uh, remain uh, current and relevant to their various professions.
0: Great. It's really good to know all the range of services. Um, And I think, as you know, this podcast is really all about um, organisations with purpose and the intersection between purpose and commerciality. Um, It's something that we're really interested in. Um, So I suppose just to give us a bit of an overview to start with, um what do you do you feel that you have a strong purpose and, and are you able to tell us what it is and how it might play out I think there's um about three parts
2: of an answer to this question so I might let Kylie start to talk about what our purposes is I want to talk about what it means for self-advocacy for our members and then Kylie can talk about the commercialisation piece perhaps
3: yeah, great. So, um, yes, yeah, so the college the college does have um, a purpose and vision, um, which we uh, have, have on our website. So, anyone who's interested can jump on there and have a look. But I think from an internal perspective, um, having a purpose uh, really provides a really good uh, operational framework on, on how the college is run. So, really, um, our vision and purpose underpins the college's strategic pillars. And then, obviously, all the act. Activities underneath these that are undertaken. So any time that we're either looking at BAU or any, uh, any kind of extra undertakings or activities that don't fall under BAU, being able to relate them back to the strategic pillars which feeds into the vision and purpose is really important.
2: And then from a, um, a, a service to our members' perspective, the purpose become increasingly important to enable our members to self-advocate because they have traditionally um, existed in a space where traditionally medical physicist roles, clinical medical physicist roles have been a little bit undervalued and our members haven't had the vocab or the context to to discuss and insert themselves into more spaces and into more roles and into new professional um, scenarios. And as technology has changed, you get, you've got AI, you've got imaging that is just so different now, the role of a medical physicist and an impact on patient outcomes has just changed so dramatically. So we need to enable our members to remind who they work with, what they do, how they do it, and why they're so important. And the purpose, uh, the purpose focus really helps that as well.
3: And I I guess from a a marketing um, and our messaging perspective, again, uh, our communication and messaging, both from an internal and an external perspective, is really built around our strategic pillars and, again, linking that back to the purpose and the vision. And I think it really enables uh, members to be able to have that really strong connection between well, either what the college is asking me to do by way of you know, providing feedback for surveys and, and um, assisting as a, as a volunteer across our various activities. There's a really strong correlation on how that feeds back into our, into our purpose and our vision. So I think having, uh, having that purpose articulated really enables us to kind of feed what we do back into the why we're doing it.
0: Yeah, that totally makes sense, sorry. No, no, on? no,
3: no, 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 that's okay. I wasn't sure if you wanted me to jump into the, I guess, into the next section around kind of that, that purpose and commercial Yeah, well, I was just,
0: yeah, um, just going to say, um, I, I really like your vision and purpose. So the vision being safe and effective diagnosis and treatment and a purpose to advance medical science to keep community healthy and safe. Um, I suppose because I, you know, if I think, I think a lot of us wouldn't think about the role of medical scientists and medical physicists, they sound kind of complicated, but if I need to go for an X-ray or, um, you know, if um, a friend or family member is, you know, going through a cancer journey and perhaps having radiation treatment, then we all really want to make sure that treatment is um, as well as being effective, that it's safe. Um, so I, you know, I, I love your purpose um, and I think it's, it's really strong, and it's great to hear how you um, sort of embed it in your um, organisation and in your, you know, encourage your members to take it up as well. Um, but yeah, so I, which leads me to this kind of intersection between purpose and commerciality. Um, and we've already um, spoken to some a wide range of organisations, and it's really interesting how different organisations see that intersection. And I suppose we're really interested to hear your take on it, particularly. Because a lot of um, not-for-profits, which I know um, ACP SEM is a it, not-for-profit, um, it's hard to get that commercial balance right. But, of course, you need to be covering your costs and making enough money to stay in business or stay, you know, as a going concern and also have to have enough money to invest in future ideas. So although you're a not-for-profit and you're very very much purpose-driven, I think um, obviously the commerciality is really um key. So we I think we'd be so interested to hear, you know, what you're doing in that space um around making sure that you do have enough income
3: to keep going. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really interesting because this is something that I would say, and and Sharon, jump in here if you think it's longer than this, but I would say in probably the last 12 months, um, certainly since I joined in January this year, that um, us looking at um, the commerciality of ACPCM has uh, kind of really taken off. And the reason behind this is that uh, the, the board identified that a lot of our revenue is very much uh, external stakeholder driven by way of um, we rely on the Department of Health to provide funding to be able to deliver our uh, training programs in addition to the other main revenue streams being our uh, membership uh, revenue that comes through from the annual reviews and also the fees that are generated um, from our training programs. And really looking at saying, well, the the financial viability of the college moving forward. As an organisation, we can't always rely on those income streams, either A, being there or being at the, the levels that we're currently seeing. And therefore, we said we really do need to look at revenue diversification. But I think the key point here is rather than just saying, well, how can we make money for the college, it's ensuring that what we're delivering for both members and non-members, because we really are looking at, um, at a customer profile as well, so those that can kind of pay to play, so to speak, um, that it really adds value and, and ensures that whatever we're delivering, those offerings fit within our strategic pillars, um, and again, are underpinned by our organization's purpose and value. And with our strategies built on purpose, so whatever activities that we generate underneath those strategic pillars really need to feed into what is our vision and our purpose. And I think by that way, you're ensuring that You're providing your members and non-members with opportunities, um, especially around that continuing professional development, but it still kind of fits within the ethos of what, what the college does.
2: And I think um, the only bit to add there is we're pretty much in the same space as a lot of other um, associations or similar organisations to ourselves post-COVID, uh, looking at new models of how to, to deliver conferences and events and where to leverage um, online versus face-to-face and all those challenges that you might have heard and seen spoken about. That, so that's, that's an interesting thing for us as well. But Kylie's um, hit the nail on the head in a sense that the value we have into the future particularly is because we're so high tech in the professions that we look after is to stay ahead of the curve on on the changes in technology and patient treatment. We can't plug them all into our equivalent of an undergrad training program because not everything can fit. So then we've got to work out this balance of what do we give to people for nothing? What what certifications do we have that people have to pay for post-certification? And all these this interesting balance and mix of a jigsaw that we're only just beginning to contemplate really.
0: Oh, that's really interesting. So a lot of this sort of revenue diversification is you're looking in the areas of education and how you can Package, repackage, perhaps offer um, some of that education to a wider audience,
2: and, yeah. and cost- costing that and justifying the costing models to to a group of people who are into the detail and want nice. justification because we are talking medical physicists. Uh, yeah, it's a it's it's a challenging and fun thing.
3: Yeah, And interestingly, um, as part of like this wider kind of revenue diversification project, um, we identified that we probably need to look at our member categories as well. And we yesterday we launched our member category review survey um, from being less than 24 hours live. We had 100 responses from our members to date, uh, which really goes to show that there is appetite in this space. And we're very interested to see what kind of results will come out of that survey and how that will then really feed into identifying well outside of what we currently offer our members and non-members because the survey is open to both where are the areas that we're missing and uh, you know being able to create those value adds um, and and hopefully raise some additional revenue uh, streams for the organization too
2: and That's I can see other. I think the other advantage that we have in Touchwood—it lasts forever—is that we just have such a, um, a group of purpose-driven volunteers who have the best interests of the college at heart. So, um, who who does what and who owns what are just not questions we have to deal with on a real scale because everyone's just so committed. And as even you guys at Juntos know. Um, in this purpose-driven volunteer space in the last couple of years, we've just had so many younger members of our college come through and be interested in keeping doing what we already do but also bringing so many new ideas to the table.
0: Yeah, I have to concur and say that's really exciting to see so many younger and early career um, professionals getting involved and, yeah, they are so dynamic and um, engaged and um, yeah, I think there's a special quality that volunteers bring uh, so when tell us a little bit about how you use your purpose when you communicate whether that's internally or externally
3: yeah absolutely so I think I think from an internal perspective um definitely when when staff come on board you know it's like look at the website understand what our um and our purpose and our vision is and as I mentioned before because that underpins um the strategic pillars a lot of the work that we undertake um very much uh kind of is is outlining what what our vision and purpose is so from a a staff engagement perspective um everyone understands why they're doing what they do. I don't think I've, I've had any of the team say, I don't understand the purpose of why we complete this. So I, I think that's really useful to, to have purpose-led um, work, not just a purpose-led organisation, that the work that the staff undertake feed into that. Um, and I think because with our vision and purpose having been redeveloped this year and it's become a lot more articulate and has been rewritten in a way that, uh, you know, the general public can say, oh, I do understand what their main purpose is, while the technicalities behind it, you know, might be a lot more expansive that we understand what the college is trying to achieve. Um, I think that has also helped really being able to build awareness in the community as well.
2: And I'll just add that from my perspective, having been in the role for just over five years now, getting all that, um, that um, foundation in place has enabled uh, me to operate in a space and be backed by the board to really go to tables confidently. And we consistently, I think, punch above our weight in influence in, in, with respect to how small an organisation or smaller profession we really are. And it's really knowing those things that makes that easy, particular, particularly for non-scientists who are advocating for scientific members.
0: That's a perfect segue because um, we've worked together, I think, along the journey to an extent. And um, really early on, um, some of the work that uh, John Toss did with um, ACPSCM was about identifying stakeholders and understanding what members wanted, what the gaps were. Uh, understanding the landscape, um, profiling different workforces um, and then various different communication campaigns. Um, I remember one that was fun, uh, attracting biomedical engineers to attend, more biomedical engineers to attend the conference. Um, But, yeah, tell us um, a little bit from your point of view about um, the work we've done together in the past and how that's helped, um, you know, help the organisation. Yeah,
2: when I I thought about this question, Carolyn, I thought, do I stick to the ACPSCM? But I I think it's useful to say up front that your and my association goes well beyond the ACPSCM and goes back six or seven years through two CEO roles that I've held, uh, this one and another one, and also a role where I was asked to come in as a business development um, change agent and just blow things up in a particular organisation and help them start again. And I brought you guys in as the marketing expert for that one as well. Yeah, so, luckily we didn't get blown up in the <laughs> so, this is, so this is pretty typical, though, as a CEO of a not-for-profit for over 20 years now. Um, Juntos is pretty typical of the kind of, people and and ethos of organization that that people like me like to carry around in their back pocket because we can't have we can't employ all these skills in small not-for-profits that don't have any middle management and have very limited budgets. so so as I look back over our experience, it's it's gone through marketing strategy. Some cases it's we just don't have the capacity at times to do good graphic design. We've asked for your help with all those focus groups and comms things you've discussed. At one stage, you were filling in and helping us fill the gaps in our best practice social media stuff. Your research side of things has helped us with research projects. You've done. Uh, I was going to say straightforward copyright task, but when I think of the romp Handbook, it wasn't necessarily straightforward. It wasn't Was a beautiful outcome, though. It right. was, so, and, and yeah, a beautiful outcome. So. I think I've covered the absolute range of stuff that you've done for us. And, of course, you've also been working um, and we'll ramp this project up again now. We're more sure of budgets around helping some of those young purpose-driven volunteers around the schools, physics in schools, medical physics in schools project as well. So there's a gamut of stuff there.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's great to reflect back and hear hear your perspective on it. And exciting, I think, to to hear that you're um, thinking about working um, more intensively with the early career um, medical physicists and also heading into schools because that's an absolutely key area, I think, for the future of such an important profession or group of professions. Uh, now, no discussion would be complete without covering a spot of sustainability and ESG. So, tell us about the relevance of ESG sustainability and diversity in the organisation.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and I think uh, any organisation would be silly not to say that you know the global climate is changing. I'm not talking about the weather, even though that's true as well, but you know that the global climate is changing, in, in regards to how communities interact and and the culture, um, uh, you know, across uh, various groups and and ensuring that you know, as an organisation that we are very much across that as well. And so from a sustainability perspective, that's something that, uh, as an example, our conference this year, EPSM, uh, which is coming up in uh, November in Adelaide, the Conference conveners very much wanted to look at a sustainability element for that conference and therefore we're not having satchels as an example um, or coffee cups at our conference and we're inviting our delegates to bring their own bag from home and their own keep cups because everyone has a keep cup um, to, to you know, kind of cut down on even that wastage around Bringing in new key cups for, for members to use across those three days. Um, and from a diversity and inclusion perspective, um, the college is doing a lot of work in this space. Um, we'll have the formation um, or undertaking the formation of a diversity, equity and inclusion working group. And that group is tasked with really looking at how we can ensure that um, all, uh, kind of all, Sectors of of, um, our membership are are looked after and addressed, and and that we're making sure that we're delivering what needs to be delivered from a diversity perspective. And that includes things like updating our forms uh, to include additional options around gender, racial identification, um, and pronouns. And uh, we've also just become a member of the Diversity Council of Australia as well, and utilising all of their resources to ensure that we are. Undertaking best practice, um, not only for just our members, but non-members and the the wider community, and uh, and I think that's uh, a really important piece. And then also from an Indigenous perspective as well, um, I know that we're we've kind of put it on ice for a little bit, but um, speaking with John Toss around the. Uh, branding piece as well, and uh, not only looking at doing rebranding for the college, but how do we bring in those Indigenous elements and making sure that we are really taking the culture um, of Australia on board as well and and putting those elements into our design and um, looking at getting our First Nations artists to, to incorporate into, into that. So, yeah, I think we're doing some really good things in that space, but it's not because, it's a a, a nice thing to do. I think it's something that all organisations need to be really addressing um, in this current day and age.
2: I think there's a, a couple of other points I just make on the DEI thing, and perhaps it's a discussion for another time, another day, another theme podcast. But we're we're actually a very good case study of how we didn't quite get it right in the beginning, and how we've mm. worked through that, and how we've improved on the in in the way we approached addressing DEI issues. And I've, as I said, I think it'd be a good discussion for another day, but it'd probably be a worthwhile discussion. Definitely. And, and it's, um, it's also very curious that, you know, we have some pretty straightforward objectives and aims around forms and things, but then you come up against really interesting barriers like your CRM provider wanting to charge you over $5,000 to do the work, to change the gender things in the structure of the product you use. It's 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 that's appalling, uh, but I wanted to make that example because you can see that it despite best intentions, there's interesting barriers even still to mm-hmm. doing the practicalities of some of this stuff.
0: Mm. Definitely. and I think it's a journey. Um, I definitely take that as a you know having listened to the two of you um, that it's not it's not something that you can just tick off and and then feel like it's done. it's um mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. something that we're all going to be working on for yeah. probably the rest of our working lives,
3: I'd say. Yeah. And, and I think the biggest learning for us is that once we decided we wanted to go down that, that avenue and really, you know, look at DEI um, to what needs to be done, I think we got very excited and tried to do a lot in a very short space of time. And, and from the Diversity Council of Australia, they said, you know, you can take it slow. You just need to get it right. And I think that's the, mm. the biggest takeaway for us. Yeah. Oh, I like and I that.
2: Think, and and I think to just to draw it back to the membership of the college, there is a great deal of diversity within the college membership, um, not only around gender but ethnicities, uh, countries of birth, English as a second language, all of that stuff. Uh, there is just a massive amount of diversity in our membership.
0: Mm. Mm. Well, that's great to hear. Any last questions? Um, Pearls of wisdom you wanted to or things that we should cover before we finish up?
2: Yeah, I think the secret um, from my perspective when you begin to reflect on these things, so it's been very useful, so thank you for this opportunity, is um, um, this was the third CEO role I came into. So when I walked through the door into the ACPSM, I actually felt like I knew what I needed to get in place to make it work and I knew um, how I could do it better and, and so the trick is getting the board to approve all these approaches and the policies and doing those initial focus groups that we did, Carolyn, and getting all of these, these fundamental foundation stones so then it makes it very easy to, to know what the boundaries are, if they exist, et cetera, et cetera, and just get on and do great things, If but you get the bedrock in place
0: first. I love that. Thank you. So I've, I've got a few takeaways I'm going to recap, actually. Um, I love that idea of getting the foundations and the bedrock right um, for and, and getting the board on board um, early on for future success. I love something that Kylie said earlier on, which was it's not just about being a purpose-led organisation, it's also purpose-led work. That really resonated. <laughs> and also I suppose the third point about diversity and inclusion being... Um, you can take it slow. You just need to be on the journey and get it right. Mm-hmm. Thank you both. Thank you, Sharon Flynn, very much. And thank you, Kylie Clark, very much. Um, we've been, It's been our absolute pleasure to have you as guests on our um, podcast today. Um, we love working with ACP SEM and we thank you very much for your time.
3: Thank you. Thanks for the invitation and the opportunity.
0: Ditto
2: what Kylie
3: said. <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of Marketing for Good. If you're interested in learning more about ACP-SEM and the impactful work they are doing, check out our links in the description. If you're curious about how Juntos can help you balance your purpose with commerciality, drop us a line. We would be more than happy to help you live true to your purpose while, as always, marketing for good.
0: We really like working with clients who want to meet their purpose, grow their purpose in anything where marketing can add to people's quality of life or as we say, marketing for good.